Hello. Thank you for downloading this Downtown Hope Sermon Podcast. We're a faith-based community in the city of Annapolis, Maryland, orienting our lives around Jesus and exist to see the people of our city, region, and world thrive with the hope found in his gospel. Now, please enjoy the Sermon Podcast. Good morning, Downtown Hope. My name is Colin, and I serve as the student director here. Um, And as you've heard already this morning, Downtown Hope is a community of believers being transformed by the gospel uh, for the sake of the city. And, And what it means, what that means is that God is doing work in our lives, and that work is not just for us individually it's for the city as well. It's for the people around us. And, and additionally, down, Downtown Hope is not just a community. We're a family. And as a family over these past few weeks, there's been a lot of challenging moments for many of us. So as we close out 2020, as we look forward to the new year, I just want to take a moment and start this year with some prayer. Would you join me as we just pray? Heavenly Father, we come before you We thank you, God, that um, your worship, uh, singing songs about who you are, what you've done, and the work you've done, um, Lord, is it it can be used as a as a weapon as we combat things that are happening in our life, as we uh, fight against lies that the enemy throws our way. Lord, I pray that we would understand, Lord, that our relationship with you, what what happens when we put our faith and trust in Jesus on our behalf is yes, ultimately uh, transforms us individually, but that God, we by that very nature become as well temples of the Holy Spirit meant to receive from you, but also to then give out of the grace that we've experienced uh, in your name. Heavenly Father, I pray this year, 2021, for everybody in downtown Hope, for everybody in our community, God, that we would see people come to faith in you. We would see people's lives radically transformed by the reality of the grace uh, of the act that you, you displayed on that cross and rising again three days later. I pray 2021 would be defined by gospel, real gospel transformation. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. As we move into studying God's word this morning, I would ask you to open up your Bibles and join me um, as we read today's passage, starting in Luke chapter 2, uh, verse 22. It says, this is the title is Jesus presented at the temple. Starting in verse 22, it says, when the time came for the purification according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who, opens, uh, who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. Now there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, Now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word for my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. 
And his father and his mother marveled at what was said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel, and for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a, a prophetess, Anna, the daughter um, of the, in the tri- from the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years, having lived with her husband seven years from when she was a virgin. And then as a widow until she was 84, she did not depart from the temple, worshiping with fasting and prayer night and day. And coming up that very hour, she began to give thanks to God and to speak of him to all who were waiting for the redemption of Jerusalem. And then they had performed everything. And when they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord, they returned into Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong, filled with wisdom, and the favor of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the, fast, uh, at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. But supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple, sitting among the teachers, listening to them, asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. And when his parents saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, son, why have you treated us so? Behold, your father and I have been searching for you in great distress. And he said to them, why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be in my father's house? And they did not understand that saying that he spoke to them. Uh, and when he went down with them and came to Nazareth, Nazareth and was submissive to them. And his mother treasured up all of these things in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. The title of today's message is, is Seeing Jesus. Uh, and, and last year around this time, uh, we were anticipating the year 2020. And I think it's fair to say that 2020 has definitely been a year that has made an impact on us all. And it's a year that we will definitely all remember. But I can remember January and approaching January of 2020 last year. One of the things that was so interesting to me uh, was how many leaders uh, and, and friend pastors that I had kind of felt the need to preach about the new year and how 2020 is going to bring 2020 vision uh, for us. I remember listening to a message about how 2020 was going to bring clarity for the church in America. Uh, while I can say that clarity to some degree has been seen, um, I think 2020 seems to have brought more fog than clear skies for most of us. And, and if there was such a thing as coincidence, 2020 ended up being way more of a confusing year. For some of us, uh, it's been unclear in regards to our purpose. Uh, some of us have had a loss of job, a career change, or our roles have changed to some degree. For some of us, there's been a lack of clarity in regards to our character. See, these, these times have seemed to turn a lot of us into people that we never wanted to be, cooped up in homes, pressure cooker situations. We've all, there's some of us that have really questioned and uh, lacked clarity in who we actually are anymore. And for some of us, we've lost clarity in regards to our faith. Our doubts have increased. Is God good? Is he actually going to take care of us? Does he even know what's happening to my family right now? Whatever the case, seeing clearly is important. Clear vision is important. But clarity is more important for some things than others, right? 
Like, to, to put it simply, you don't need to have clear vision to take a nap, but you definitely need clear vision if you're going to be going for a drive. And, and, and there's one area in particular, though, that clarity is so vital. Clear vision is so important when it comes to how we see Jesus. See, it's important because Jesus is the light by which we see. Jesus is the prescription by which you see God, you see others and yourself more clearly. John 1 tells us concerning Jesus that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And verse 4 says that in him was life and the life was the light of men. He goes on to say, and the word became flesh and it dwelt among us and we saw his glory. And Jesus said in John chapter 9 that I came into the world for judgment so that those who do not see may see. If I were to ask you where and when you saw Jesus and his glory in your life this past month, what would you say? You see, I'm sure some of us have seen him more than normal in this, in this past year. Um, some of us maybe have just caught occasional glimpses of him throughout our life, but I also know that some of us feel as though we may have lost sight of him altogether. I just want to take a moment and honestly search our hearts this morning because there are two overwhelming problems that every human faces in this world because without Jesus, we are spiritually dead and therefore we're spiritually blind. But John is telling us that Jesus is the remedy to both of these problems in our life. He has the life that we need and this life becomes the light that we need. That life through, G through Jesus enables us to see and, it, and he himself is the light that is seen. So for 2021 to be a year of fulfillment as we're studying in Luke, we must be able to see and behold Jesus clearly for everything that he is. And so this morning, I could go a variety of ways with this passage, but I want to give you just two assumptions that I think a lot of people make that hinder our ability to see Jesus clearly in our daily lives. If you go back to verse 22, you see that uh, it says, when the time came for the purification, according to the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. And as it is written in the law of the Lord, every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of two turtle doves and two young pigeons. In the first section of this passage, we see Mary and Joseph presenting Jesus at the temple. Now, this would be a normal ceremony, but the reality of this situation, I think, is uh, overlooked or even not fully understood when we read this in context. Because after the silence of 400 years has been broken, the promised Messiah, the one who God said would finally bring the consolation to Israel, has arrived. He's here. He's in the flesh. And in the midst of this relatively normal procedure, you have to wonder why it seems so normal. Like if you think about it, here is this baby called the Messiah, called he's the Savior. He is what God has spoken about. It's been confirmed. I would have imagined that there would have been an eruption of praise in that temple when he was brought to be dedicated. See, God has spoken and he's ended the silence and he's declared this baby to be the Messiah for the Israelite nation. And as Jesus is brought into this temple, the heart and the center of Jewish culture, life, and faith 
Luke only really notes two people that see Jesus for who he really is. Why do you think that is? Maybe, maybe they had a skewed view of the Messiah that was to come. See, maybe they were expecting this Messiah to come full force, guns a-blazing, to take over the kingdom. Maybe they, along with most other Jewish people, heard the prophecy that Simeon had said and, and just wrote it off because of the implications that it had for the Gentiles. Maybe the humility of this baby couldn't be seen through the lens of pride that they carried with them. But it just amazes me how some people were so close to him physically but didn't have the eyes to see him spiritually. It blows my mind that Jesus, the promised Messiah, shows up at this central location and is only recognized by a few. If you study scripture, you see that this plays out in Jesus' life as he grows up, as he begins his ministry. There was assumptions made about this Jesus figure, and as a result, they brought expectations, restrictions, and even took him to the cross. What we see is that Luke only mentioned two individuals who actually saw Jesus for who he really was. There were two people that we know of that saw something worth worshiping. See, Simeon and Anna, in this case, didn't just catch a glimpse out of the corner of their eye. They behold, they saw Jesus in his fullness, and they saw something worth worshiping. In verse 30, Simeon states, For my eyes have seen your salvation. Simeon saw salvation in this baby. And in verse 32, he says that Jesus is a light for revelation to the Gentiles, a light for revelation in this baby. And he continues in verse 34, uh, Simeon blessed them and he said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child, this baby is appointed for the fall and the rising of many in Israel. And for a sign that is opposed, and a sword will pierce through your own soul also, so that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. This encounter should make us do a quick self-evaluation in our life. You see, recently married, my wife and I had a lot of time during quarantine to learn about each other and how this marriage thing is supposed to work. And, uh, but the biggest lesson we have probably both learned on both ends is how our expectations of each other, were, which derived from assumptions we made, would affect our marriage in significant ways. For me, it was how my expectations of my future wife actually limited me from seeing her as she is fearfully and wonderfully made. I have realized that my skewed view of Sarah and who I thought she would be not only hurt our relationship, but actually kept me from experiencing the fulfillment that marriage was supposed to offer. See, it restricted myself and my wife from seeing Jesus in our marriage. It really got me thinking, how many of us actually have assumptions and expectations that are actually contributing to spiritual blindness and our ability to see Jesus clearly? How many of us have assumptions about Jesus that bring false expectations and result in restricted vision in our lives? I mean, to get to the root of it, we have to check our expectations and presumptions of who he is. We have to make sure that we're, we're not creating a different version of him in our minds and our hearts because then we will be like the people in the temple when he shows up we don't even see. 
Not only does this limit our sight of him on a daily basis, but if it goes unchecked, it actually can turn into idolatry in our lives. See, it is crucial that Christians know Jesus Christ very well and can tell the difference between the Christ of the Bible and the Christ which other religions claim to honor. This is important because getting the wrong impression about someone can ruin your relationship with them. If you have misguided expectations from surrounded by assumptions of what they should be doing for you and vice versa, you're likely to find yourself in a state of unfulfilled discontentment, not being able to see him on a daily basis. See, we all have spiritual blind spots and areas of unbelief in our life, but the problem comes when we don't assess our assumptions about who he is. Because those assumptions can become expectations. And those expectations actually can become restrictions and limiting our ability to see. If, it, if it's left unchecked, we could be worshiping a different Jesus altogether. Listen, if you're motivated by shame instead of love, you might have made an incorrect assumption about who he is. If you're scared of being outside of God's will instead of trusting that he's guiding you, you might be and you might have made an incorrect assumption about who he is. If you equate hardship with holiness, you, you might have made an incorrect assumption about who he is. If you are trying harder rather than being transformed, you might have a wrong expectation or assumption of who he is. Listen, Jesus didn't live, die, rise again so that you could try harder. He overcame in every way so that you could be transformed. This text reminds us how easy it is for us to miss out on Jesus. And it reminds us that we need to check our assumptions of who Jesus is so we know who we are actually looking for. Once we know who we are looking for, we will see him more clearly. The Bible directly states that Jesus is God. And let me just give you some brief de definition of who Jesus is so that if you hear something in here that doesn't make sense to you, check it out, study it, get to know it. We need to know who we're looking for. Jesus is God. He is called the mighty God, the everlasting Father, and Emmanuel, meaning God with us, the Lord, our righteousness, God. He's called Son of God. He is described as eternal, uh, omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent, and immutable. Jesus Christ is equal with God the Father. He is worshipped as God. His name is assigned equal standing with God the Father. He is creator. He is the upholder of all things. He forgives sin. He will raise the dead and execute judgment. He claimed that he and the Father were one and that he was the Son of God. He claimed that to know him was to know God, to see him was to see God. To receive him was to receive God and to believe him was to believe in God. In brief, this is Jesus. This is the claims that he's making and we can't afford in this next season to have any more undiagnosed, unexamined assumptions about who he is because we cannot afford to miss out on him in 2021. In the second part of our passage, we get a unique story from when Jesus was 12 years old. As the scene approaches, Mary and Joseph are taking Jesus on their annual adventure to celebrate the Passover. Now, this is no spur-of-the-moment trip. For those of us like myself who like to plan things out well in advance, this trip would take some preparation, right? 
After all, they did stay there about a week. But picking up in Luke 2, starting in verse 41, it tells us that his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom. And when the feast was ended, as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it, but supposing him to be in the group, they went a day's journey. But then they began to search for him among their relatives and acquaintances. And when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After being with Jesus during the whole Passover celebration, I mean, I imagine that they are tired and they do want to go home. But whether that's true or not, Mary and Joseph made an assumption that Jesus was with them when he was not. See, they had taken this long journey. They had prepared for a week-long endeavor, a week-long ceremony of worship. And, it, and it's not over. What's, what's on their mind, what's going to be on their mind after this week is finally coming to an end? What would be on your mind a week at, after you planned out a week and it was coming to an end? Getting home, right? Doing what they need to get back to normal life. Back then, they traveled in caravans of people. And so I'm sure that they were rushing to the airport, so to speak, to make sure that they didn't miss their flight on Caravan 316. But here, they make one mistake. In the midst of the busyness, they make an assumption that Jesus was with them and was planning on returning home with them, just like they were planning on going back. And as a result of that assumption, they lose sight of Jesus altogether. I can only imagine the weight of panic and anxiety that they must have felt as parents. Not only did their assumption lead to losing sight of who he is, but it also ended up making them go back into the city from which they came. See, here you see something play out that usually goes unnoticed. Because as they were trying to go back to a sense of normalcy, Jesus plans to stay in Jerusalem, actually forces Mary and Joseph to have to go back into the chaotic scene of the city. And so their time in Jerusalem meant returning to the chaos of a city rather than one's own home in normality. Factor in that they were small village royal folk, right? Like, and this would have been a, a, a way different scenario, a way different scene, a way different culture than they've ever imagined. Jerusalem in the Gospels is, is described as a place that prophets are killed and where they do not know the things that make for peace. As a place it symbolized where evil forces combined with imperial and political powers resulting in a cycle of vicious systemic violence. This is the place that Mary and Joseph, as a result, had to enter back into. And when they assumed Jesus was with them and that his plans were the same as theirs, they lost sight of him and they had to completely change their agenda. This wasn't a hiccup that affected a day. This was a hurdle that threw off their whole week. See, they were searching for days before they even found him. I wonder how many doors they knocked on. I wonder how many shoulders they tapped before they actually checked the temple in which they found him. See, I have a, I have a tendency to lose things all the time. Um, it's, it's really an issue. I get, I get preoccupied with certain things, so many different things in my mind. I'll do one thing and go to the next. It drives my wife crazy. Uh, but for the past couple of years, I have notoriously misplaced my car keys. I know this is not a problem that is only for me, but 
I really do believe that I have a more significant issue than most. If you know me, you probably realize that most of the time, except for right now because we're recording, I carry a carabiner with my keys attached to my belt loop uh, on the side of my pants here. About two years ago, um, I really started to know a frequent disappearance with my keys, which is part of the reason I have that carabiner now. But while at work, like on a typical Sunday, which was a busy day for youth ministry and for me, uh, I, would, I would literally, in those moments of craziness, lose my keys. I would then go from building to building, place to place, um, asking myself where in the world I have set these keys. And it's like this awful gut-wrenching feeling realizing that it happens to you way more than it should. Where in the world did I put them, right? If I could only find this place in which I sat them down. But even worse than all of that is the embarrassment that it takes when I wrote people into the search party, right? I get them all involved and like say, okay, you just check this area, you check this area. And then it just takes one of the leaders to point at my belt loop and be like, listen, Colin, your keys have been attached to your pants the whole time. And for me, that's like the story of my life. And if you're like me, sometimes this pace of life actually hinders us from seeing what's right in front of us, or in my case, what was attached to me. We get so caught up in our own agenda that we lose sight of what's important, and we neglect to see what God is up to right now. To some degree, we all have a tendency to rush towards the caravan of life and just assume Jesus is following us and he has the same plans that we do. And as a result, we feel like we're constantly striving to find and see Jesus in the midst of the craziness of our lives. If we just assume God's plans are our plans, we're going to lose sight of Jesus and miss out on the work that he's doing right now and in the years to come. In order for us to see more of Jesus, we have to stop assuming that everything we do, he is just tagging along in. We have to wake up to see that God is moving, but his plans don't conform to ours. In fact, he asks that we conform our plans to his. Like Mary and Joseph, we have to stop, evaluate where we are, look around. We have to make a decision to either look for Jesus or continue on with the caravan towards normalcy. See, Mary and Joseph remind us that we can be a part of what God is doing now, but we have to be willing to let our plans be changed. See, I am convinced that a lot of us, myself included, have missed out on seeing Jesus last year or, this, or even this past month because we've kept moving with the caravan of life. We've kept going. Maybe even when we lost sight of him, it tells us that Mary and Joseph looked around, but they actually kept traveling for a day because they just assumed Jesus was with them. I'm convinced that a lot of us have missed out on seeing Jesus because we've continued to move on towards this caravan of life. God is not found in a destination anymore. He is found in the person of Jesus Christ. So what I want us to grab is to make it for 2021 to be a year where, where we stop assuming who he is and where we stop assuming that our plans are his plans. Um, I want 2021 to be a, a year where we continue to pursue Jesus for who he is. But here is the beautiful truth for those of us that have been making certain assumptions. Here is the beautiful reminder for those of us who have been doing our own things, assuming that God is following along. Unlike Mary, who had a journey to find Jesus, Jesus journeys to find us. That's the story of Christmas. We don't have to journey to the temple to find him anymore. We don't have to guess where he is and spend three days looking for him. And that's also why we celebrate the Lord's Supper. See, Jesus was born. He grew. He died. 
and he rose again to make himself the new temple, the new sanctuary for God's people. The real sanctuary now is wherever God is. God is not restricted to Jerusalem anymore. God is not restricted to a box. God is not restricted to a cubicle room behind a veil. He is now accessible through faith in Jesus Christ. I just want to take a moment as a body, as we prepare to enter this table, to bring before us in prayer a time where we can ask God, Lord, have we made any assumptions? Have we made any assumptions about who you are that have limited our view of you? God, have we made any assumptions in regards to our plans and yours that we've missed out on things that you're doing right now? As a body, let's just take a moment and pray and then we'll enter into the communion table together. God, I pray that you would remind us in this Christmas season as we worship and we celebrated the birth of a baby, the Messiah, after 400 years of silence, I pray that you would remind us that you did not stay in a manger. I pray, God, that you would remind us that you grew up. God, you grew to become a man that made some crazy claims for most people to hear. But Lord, I pray that if we have a distorted view, if we have assumptions about who we think you are, God, that you would bring those to the surface in our hearts right now. As we enter the table, as we confess areas of unbelief in our life that have affected the way that we see you, the way that we follow you, I pray, God, that you would reveal those things, that, God, we would lay them at your feet, that we would realize that actually you more, you are more unrestricted, you are more unexpected than we could ever understand. God, I pray that we don't and the works that you're doing in our, in, our, in our sight of you does not go unnoticed in 2021. We ask all these things in your name. Amen. Amen.